Hello everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Venture investing has the power to change the world. Since the investment today defines all emerging technology initiatives, investors influence not only the growth and development of an idea, innovation, business, industry, or a nation, but human society, its transformation, survival, security, and sustainability beyond all connected human domains of quantum space, cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace, and space. To discuss the trends defining the venture capital landscape, I'm delighted to welcome one such venture capitalist, Bala Kamalakaran, to this roundup. Bala is the founding managing director at Iceland Venture Studio, a grassroots initiative to build a startup community in Iceland. Welcome, Bala. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So, Risk Group community and I look forward to your thoughts on trends in venture investing. Please, you know, go ahead and you know share your thoughts. Sure. Thank you. Um, so it's a great platform, and uh, happy to share what uh, motivates uh, what I do. Um, I, I became an accidental investor. I mean, I've always um, thought that investor was somebody like Warren Buffett. And um, it so happened that uh, I used to work for an Icelandic bank. And uh, in 2008, uh, the entire financial system in Iceland collapsed. And uh, I was left without a job. And I looked around and said, maybe there's a time for me to uh, make my own job. And in Iceland in 2009-2010, the word investor was not viewed very positively as it was uh, quite a contrarian move to be an investor at that stage. Uh, but I, I just decided to do it. I started working with uh, founders. And the last maybe about 12 to 15 years now, I've kind of learned uh, by doing, you know, what is what what is the trends and what how this world of venture and investing works. And uh, I wasn't trained to be a venture capitalist. I've, I didn't work for a venture firm. I actually, the first capital that I deployed, I actually borrowed from my family back in India who uh, took pity on me uh, and said, here, take some money, do something with it. But if you lose it, don't bother coming back home. So I had to uh, make it good. Um, but as they say, you know, when you when you put your heart and mind into it, uh, things start working out. And uh, the first team that I invested in was acquired by a NASDAQ listed company. And um, and the second company invested was once again acquired by uh, a NASDAQ listed company. And uh, for for the past decade or so, I've I've had a string of hits and. Um, it's it's again you know uh, everybody thinks that venture capital is a function of chance and I don't believe that to be true. I think um, venture capital uh, people who have stood the test of time. I have a lot of my friends who ha who are in the venture capital space who have become friends lately. I mean I, I didn't know them before, but I got to know them in the last decade. And what is very um, poignant looking at them is that they're all very practitioners. That means they actually, you know, live this world. They don't, they're not, you know, sitting in their room and pushing buttons. They're actually uh, very active people who work with the founders in building companies. And, uh, you know, that's, that sounded very appealing to me. And I said, maybe that is what I had to do. And, and I learned doing it. And, 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 
and I encourage everybody who wants to, you know, try this world to actually say, you know what, roll up the sleeve, uh, work with founders, see what they're doing and see how you can help them really build a company and build a business. At the end of the day, um, that's how you uh, really change the future, really, you know, by, by the products that the companies make and the services and, 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 uh, and the service that they do to the community and the society that they go to. Um, I, I mean, I happened to start in an unlikely place, which is Iceland. Um, I mean, when I started, uh, the venture uh, community in Iceland was uh, non-existent, actually. There was actually one uh, venture capital company funded by the government of Iceland. And it was, um, I mean, to say the least, it was not very effective, not because they didn't want to be effective. It just... Uh, didn't have all the right ingredients. And one of the things I wanted to do, uh, and backed by some of the big investors like uh, Brad Feld, who is the founder of uh, Founder Foundry Group out of Boulder, Colorado. And, and Brad is a very big voice in the venture space. He's written multiple books on uh, you know how to be a venture capitalist. And uh, one of the books he wrote was about how to build a startup community. And that kind of appealed to me. And I said, you know, that's what I really want to do. I want to build a vibrant community in Iceland that actually looks at all collapses, like the financial collapse that we went through. And more recently, kind of like the COVID scenario, you know, how does a community um, become resilient and kind of emerge stronger out of a crisis? And, and, I mean, if you look back in time and you go down into the basics of it, usually it's small groups of people who identify the problem, they work on the problem, and they solve the problem for themselves and for the community, thereby they come out stronger. And it comes to your group's name, you know, risk. You know, everybody looks at uh, venture capital. Those who don't understand venture capital, they ask me, isn't it very risky? And I say, well, you know, I thought that it was working for a bank was less risky in 2007, but 2008 proved me wrong. So, you know, risk is, uh, risk is life. I mean, unfortunately, uh, you know, there are various levels of risk in everything we do. When we get out of the door, when you wake up, there, there are risks associated with every action we take. Um, but I think the important thing is um, to calculate risk with payoffs, and you know what is the what is the payoff, and and understand that when you uh, fundamentally change direction of uh, a community, a country, or the world, then the payoff is uh, probably worth the risk, you know, and and I think that is why uh, you know uh, more prominent. In entrepreneurs like uh, Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Steve Jobs are, you know, uh, really uh, revered because they they change the direction of uh, what humanity thinks is possible, and and I think that power does rest in founders, and and uh, and I know that there are a number of people who are working on some of the hard problems that we need to solve. And, you know, and we as venture capitalists are just fortunate to work with these people. I mean, I, every day I'm inspired working with founders who, um, 
who really are working on really hard things. You know, I just think that people don't give enough credit to those founders who are working on these things. Uh, I mean, you only read, uh, you know, what's written in popular media, but what you don't see is uh, the the amount of hard work that goes into solving some of these hard problems. And uh, and I and I always say that, and I'm fortunate to have landed on this job that I created for myself because. Every day I'm inspired to see these people go and take on some of the big challenges like, you know, solving diabetes or, you know, finding a better way to build a battery that will allow us to, you know, rely on less uh, fossil fuel or, you know, for, you know, reforest the entire globe so we can solve this climate change issue. And, and you know, it is, it is, uh, it is uh, kind of a calling, as, as I say it, you know, I, I, um and and then you know this is there's more to it and and i can i can as i said before talk forever about this um primarily because um the future doesn't build itself right i mean a future is um is a path that we envision to be possible and there are those who not only believe it's possible they actually work to build it and I think that's how the future is made, you know, and whatever may be a version of the future. The the good thing is that, you know, uh, the future is not built yet, right? I mean, if we take a slice in time, and you and I are speaking right now, uh, the future doesn't exist until we decide to say the next word. So uh, in, in, in that regard, I do believe that all of us have the power to say, what kind of future do we want and how do we build it and how do we make that happen? And, and I'm, I'm again, uh, very fortunate to be working with a bunch of people who not only just say the words, but are doing the action, building a team, building a product, uh, building uh, conversations, uh, building communities and engaging customers in actually saying, you know, these things are possible and we can solve these problems. And here is a way we can do it. And, and, and I think that's how you mitigate risk as well. Uh, I mean, the risk of climate change, which is already upon us, um, uh, the risk of, um, you know, uh, inequality in uh, access to resources. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, poverty, global poverty. By the way, global poverty has been going down at a massive scale. And I do believe one of the big ways to solve that is through entrepreneurship. And uh, again, the age old cliche, you know, you give a man, you feed him for a day and you teach a man how to fish, you feed him for life. And I think entrepreneurship is, is very similar. I mean, if you teach somebody how to create value by building things, then they, they don't have to rely on anybody. They don't have to rely on the government. They don't have to rely on anybody. They find a problem, they build solutions for that problem and thereby create value for themselves and for the community. And I think that's a great place to be. And, and, and that's what was the motivation for me to start Startup Iceland. And that led to what I do now, which is uh, Iceland Venture Studio, which is uh, a very early stage, uh, kind of a seed stage uh, company, uh, funding company, but we call it a studio because we work with founders. You know, it's not just an investment firm, although we do invest, but we actually actively work with founders and, and help them uh, build products, build teams, build customers, 
and build markets because a lot of the solutions that we are working on, the markets don't exist yet. We just have to create those demand and build those products and make them happen. Um, I'm happy to jump into some of the teams and talk about some of the problems if uh, that gives some context to to what I've just been saying. Um, uh, one of the one of the teams that we have invested in is called Retina Risk. They actually uh, prevent uh, diabetic blindness. So it is an algorithm that was created by a bunch of doctors in Iceland. And that algorithm existed within the hospital system. Uh, what we did was we took that algorithm and made it into a simple app, built an API. So every diabetic anywhere in the world can actually use the algorithm and, and gauge for themselves if they have a risk of uh, going blind because they're diabetic. And I believe that, you know, uh, this is uh, something that we take for granted. We think that everybody has equal access to healthcare. But when you think about it, it really is not true. You know, um, not everybody has access to uh, the same level of care that, say, some of the Western country population has. Uh, but if we can take some of these knowledge and algorithms that exist within the Western world and make it accessible through uh, devices that everybody carries today, which is a smartphone, then you kind of are flattening the curve in terms of access to uh, knowledge and care. And so that's what, uh, and um, the other solution that uh, we've invested in is called Flow, which is a meditation application using virtual reality. You know, a lot of people uh, that we talk to say that, you know, they all have heard good things about meditation. They're all uh, positive about meditation, but they don't meditate. And I say, well, why don't you meditate? If you think it's so good, if you think it's the right thing to do, what what stops you? And almost their answer is that, but it's so hard. It's so hard to do. And we said, I mean, is it really that hard to do? I mean, is, 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 that, a, is that a fact? So we started with that hypothesis and I found a founder who actually thought that anybody can learn to meditate with just four minutes in virtual reality. And we said, okay, let's make that a product and try to see if we can get it in the hands of as many people as we can. And uh, Flow enables that. I mean, we have a virtual reality platform that brings nature and music and uh, guided meditation, thereby anybody who has struggled with meditation with just four minutes in the VR world, they actually learn how to do it. And then the, the trick is to repeat that and, and try to do it over and over again. And we think that uh, the mental health problems that uh, the pandemic has unleashed is going to be a serious problem in the workplace uh, in the coming decade. And we do believe that uh, solutions like Flow and others in the world are needed to so people can manage their uh, uh, mental uh, strength. And, and um, uh, so, so, so that's, a, that's another team. And... Uh, the third team we've invested in is, is a nanotechnology company. Uh, it's called Nano. They actually make uh, nanomaterials that reduces the cost of making uh, nanomaterials. So it can be used in uh, batteries to make better batteries. I mean, what we are talking about is 10 times better batteries. So your iPhone will only need one charge for a whole month. Or, uh, you know, the size of the battery will be half the size of what it is today and give you twice the power. 
and uh, we are able to unleash that kind of uh, scale because our method of using our proprietary technology to make nanomaterials that go into the battery are 100 times smaller than any other method in the world. So the cross-section of the structures is crystalline, and crystalline structures are a lot more solid. You know, The reason why diamond is the hardest substance is because it's a crystal. And if you can make most material into crystalline form and do it at a nanoscale, then you exponentially multiply the power of what it can do in terms of charge, like how much charge it can hold, how uh, adjustive it is to the surface, and so on and so forth. So we just found a better way to make these materials at a very low cost, thereby it can bolt into any other battery manufacturer. So we don't have to change how we make batteries, we just change the raw material. So once you change the raw material, the exact same process can be used to make a 10 times better battery. And it's not just for battery, uh, our method can be used for polymers, for uh, adhesives, for pharmaceuticals. Um, I mean, think of a world where you don't have to swallow a pill and you just have to maybe put a small patch on top of your skin. And by the way, because the material is at the nanoscale, it can permeate your skin membrane and go into your body and just targeted application rather than allowing the drug to go through your entire digestive system. You know, the, the whole reason why the pharmaceutical industry uh, has gotten a bad rap is because of all the side effects. The side effects is not because the drug is bad. It's just that it goes through a number of systems that doesn't, it doesn't have to go through. And, and that this is the only delivery mechanism that we know about because uh, we know that it actually works, but we think the side effects and the trade-offs are okay. But what if we change the whole structure of the drug where it is a nanomaterial and it can literally permeate your skin and just go straight to the place where it's needed? Um, we think that uh, it fundamentally changes uh, how we look at all of the things that we have now. And, uh, and, and, and again, you know, uh, when you think about it, it's a hard problem, right? When you come and try to pitch this to some people and say, you know what, I'm going to blow your mind by saying that all the things you thought about drugs is no longer true. We can make it uh, so that uh, you don't have to have any side effects uh, to take the drugs. And, and, uh, and, and the world, you know, obviously is, uh, probably not ready, so so we just will have to work with those people who who see the possibility and 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 start experimenting and working with us on those tools and technologies. I mean, I, I have uh, you know eight more companies that we've invested in. I can go into all of them. I don't think that's going to really make any any difference, other than to say that uh, these kinds of things are possible today with existing technology. Today, we don't have to uh, invent them. Uh, we know enough to put these technologies to use whereby we can change the course of future. Yes. Uh, and and that's, uh, that kind of is what uh, motivates me and in what I do. No, that's wonderful. And you are absolutely right that this is an initiative to change the future, shape the future. And like you said, you know, every one of us has new ideas that we can, you know, utilize and to imagine the new worlds that we want to create. It doesn't yeah. matter where we are living, irrespective of country. We can create our own worlds. We have 
created cyberspace we are creating quantum space and we will be able to create many more you know virtual worlds and uh, we can uh, we can come up with new ways of fundamentally transforming our society now I, I i like all the initiatives that you talked about you know the retina the algorithm that you talked about that's uh, it's going the application of that all over the world would be so useful we can prevent so much blindness if we are able to all the countries are able to work together to create that basic healthcare based on the ai that we are developing so that you know everyone can benefit now there again the geopolitics comes into play and you know there are many complex challenges we have to overcome for all the innovators all such you know healthcare applications to come together to work and create an, an huge global platform to yeah. give the world the benefit of the basic healthcare that is a whole right. different story but we it is possible to do that now so your uh, you know investment that is very timely and very you know uh, necessary and i'm glad that you did that the flow meditation yes you are absolutely right the mental health challenges you know we are we need something a support structure like that where we can get the grounding that we need to you know overcome the what we have uh, developed you know in this last year and probably we don't know when it's going to end so that is again very good you know investment the nanotechnology one it's absolutely you know uh marvelous you know investment not only for the battery sector but like you said for the pharmaceutical drugs and you know there are many many industry applications so but there again you know the self-replicating nanomachines we will have to figure out how to solve that problem because if we cannot control self-replicating you know, uh, nano machines. Then it can take up the entire universe, and we will have a huge existential risk right, for right. our entire, you know, civilization. I mean, so the, then... the 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 challenges of technology is always a double-edged sword, right? Yes. I mean, um, I mean, the, that's when the 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 human morality and understanding the human need and empathy in building these things. Yes with the the human in the center of it is important. I think uh, we cannot forget that the whole reason we are inventing these technologies is to make humanity better, not for technology, for technology's sake. Most of it is to make the human lives better and uh, across the globe. I mean, I think what is important, uh, you know, I'm from India, I, I live in Iceland, I've lived in the US, I've traveled all over the globe. And I can say that, um, you know, future is already here in a lot of places, but it's very unevenly distributed, right? I mean, yes. uh, the same kind of access, the same kind of um, uh, things that we take for granted are probably not accessible to a lot of people. And if we just raised that barrier, you know, uh, I think trillions of dollars of value will be created. And by the way, value creation is a function of value captured, right? Somebody is actually deriving the value. That's why the value capture itself is possible. So I am pretty excited about this aspect of it because no point in time have we uh, had the cost of starting a solution as cheap as today. Mm. You know, the cost of computing, the way it has gone down, the cost of sensors, the way it has gone down has fundamentally transformed a number of things that we thought were just impossible to do. Uh, most of these decisions used to be economically driven. I don't believe that to be true anymore because a lot of these things are just 
uh, now uh, a function of, uh, you know, expression. It basically comes down to, you know, what problems do you think are high in your priority list? And you can solve them if you want to devote your effort to it. And and I think that that is uh, quite uh, you know, uh, world changing. If you think about it, no point in time has there been anybody, I mean, anywhere in the world today because of the internet can build things of value. Yes. Uh, uh, and, 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 you know, the, the case in point is in the world of, uh, you know, uh, cryptocurrency and, um, and, 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 and what's going on with decentralization of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for all the, as I've said before, you know, there's, there's plenty of, um, uh, uh, headlines around uh, cryptocurrencies, and I'm not I'm not going to uh, go into that. Um, but I do believe that the foundations of what it has been built on is fantastic. It is just amazing, uh, and and if it uh, if it even becomes I don't know 10% true, I think it will fundamentally transform the lives of many people. Yes. Uh, I'm not talking about those who are investors. I'm talking about those who are users of this technology. I mean, money, uh, money when it becomes digital and when, when money becomes smart and when, when money can make decisions uh, based on uh, uh, rules and controls that we can build on, it totally eliminates bias. Yes. Um, I, can, I, can, I can, you know, talk openly about this. You know, today, the banking system, if you really think about it, is run by machines, but end of the day, it is controlled by humans. And humans, we have tremendous bias. You know, when, when somebody shows up, and I'll just talk about an example in Iceland. I mean, in Iceland, um, I mean, if somebody shows up looking like me, and, and by the way, I'm an Icelander now, and I'm well known, so it wouldn't be that big of a problem. But in the year 2000, when I first came here, if I walked into a bank and I asked for a loan, there is no way in hell I would have gotten a loan, irrespective of my credit history or anything like that. You know, because the way that credit decisions are made is based on your name. Mm -hmm. They ask you, what's your name? And in Iceland, through the name, they can actually look at your entire family history. And if your family history, you know, you are somebody's son. And if somebody is known, then you get the loan. Mm -hmm. You know, it it had nothing to do with your capacity to pay the money back or not. So, you know, these kinds of biases exist in in, in all in all countries, I'm just using Iceland as an example. Uh, I mean, in India, it's the same. If we change the rules of the game and made money self decision making, by the way, it just looks at your data, looks at your behavior, and sees if you have the capacity to pay, and then you basically get the get the loan. You know, then it would fundamentally change access to credit. So we have actually invested in a company in India, which is called uh, Ekosh Finance which does peer-to-peer lending that way, where no human is involved in the decision-making for the micro-businesses in India. So, uh, I mean, if you think about all the Dukanwalas and all the street corner workers, they don't have access to banking. You know, they don't have a bank. They don't have a working capital, you know. And with leverage, you actually make businesses a lot more resilient. And... uh, and, and and the the COVID has shown that number number of these businesses just became uh, moot when when the world stopped because of COVID. 
But all those people behind those businesses, they still exist. You know, how are they going to feed themselves? How are they going to run themselves? And that is where, you know, a technology can play a fundamentally a big role. I mean, if if they had access to something like eCosh, by the way, they could have access to lending and credit, thereby they could have gone into furlong where they could still pay themselves, keep themselves going, where the business took a, a, a credit risk. And when COVID stopped, they would repay those loans and continue to build the business. Yes. You know, so, so these things are all, uh, I think it's a very exciting time um for uh for for most of us and and, and I'm, I'm you know in the line of work i am i have to be an optimist i'm not uh, that big of a pessimist i usually think that pessimists are kind of self-fulfilling you know if you if you're <laughs> pessimistic about the world you know why bother doing why anything bother? right yes yes yeah. very true, very true. So, but but i don't yeah go ahead yes. No, I said you made the excellent point about this, that the democratization of innovation that we see everywhere in the world, it's fascinating, you know, the nature of the problems that we can solve. But the, the point all that also you made is that, you know, getting a loan and, you know, all those challenges that comes for any innovators, there is no shortage of ideas, there is no shortage of innovation or imagination. But the systems that are in place, they create complex challenges for in every country. So yeah. irrespective of whether it's India or Iceland, you know, whether that atmosphere exists for the startup community or the innovators, the support structure that they need to take the concept to commercialization is a complex challenge. So everyone has to, you know, go through so many uh, barriers and overcome so many challenges like yeah. you also did, you know. So yeah. do you see that... Uh, the venture world, I mean, you know more than me in this, that uh, it's all about numbers, right? And while competition drives this sector, the need to solve risk facing humanity, if we speak, you know, in a broad term, what, you know, we are focused on, you know, uh, risk facing humanity requires collaboration. It It is not some problem that, you know, one individual or one institution or one investor can solve on its own. There, is, there needs to be a collaboration coalition of many, many investors, you know, to solve big, big problems. So, but as we see across nations, you know, many, many societal issues are addressed in silos and much of the investments are also made in silos. There are pro sometimes, you know, a few investors, they get together and, you know, invest in some, you know, healthcare, you know, startup or things like that. But mostly they are still working in silos. So startups, they emerge locally and investments are also broadly happening locally. So do you see a need for a change in investment approach to focus more on building coalition and focusing on our collective security, irrespective of whether it's healthcare security, financial security, or security of our species? Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, the the world is connected, and, and you know, I, I, can, I can say that, um, I mean, when you go down the scale of investment, you see that it does become a collaborative effort. So, you know, I started with one investor who liked what I was doing and, you know, he backed me and now I have 25, you know, big investors who are behind uh, the fund that I uh, manage. So it is a collaborative effort. I mean, there is a governance structure, there is processes behind how we do things. But uh, I mean, at a, at a massive global scale, collaboration does happen. I mean, if anything, uh, I mean, the, the, the vaccine, although we had 
all kinds of hiccups around it, it was globally very collaborative effort uh, where uh, the rollouts and a number of uh, access to the vaccines are uh, done in a much more uh, open way rather than uh, in a closed way. Again, we can obviously always do better. I'm not, I'm not even saying that, uh, that there's no room for improvement. Um, my view is that, you know, I think we've, we've come a long way and, and I think we will continue to evolve and learn. And I mean, the internet was supposed to be a collaborative effort and the internet is a collaborative effort. Otherwise it wouldn't work, right? I mean, uh, if I choose to do my own protocol, then I can't communicate with you. I'll have to somehow find a way to communicate with you. And that's why we have standardized mechanisms. Although businesses built on top of the internet are competitive, the underlying standards are pretty universal. I mean, every every company uses the same standard to build things on top of the internet. So it is a collaborative effort. So there are places where we are collaborating. I'm sure we can, we can we can collaborate more and, and we can do things better. Uh, but, but all that being said, I mean, there is also the other aspect of it, which is, um, I mean, I work with early stage companies at a very uh, early stage and I constantly encourage founders and mentors that I, and, and founders I work with to not worry about competition. Because if you are thinking about what your competitor is doing, then you're not working on solving your customer's problem. You know, you're worried about your customer. You should be worried about your customer. You should be worried about your customer's problem and trying to figure out a unique way to solve that problem. And therein lies the value creation, the unique value creation that comes from that exercise. I think once you get bigger, once you get scale, you know, unfortunately, um, we uh, tend to forget what really made you unique. And then, you know, you start competing with the next uh, big player. I think that's actually a bad uh, model. I think it's not a very good model. I think there are plenty of problems to be solved. You know, why should we fight to solve the same problems? Yes, I think, yes. you know, and, 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 and uh, my, my bigger view is that if you, really work hard in solving a very good problem and uh, and you do it in a very unique way customers are more than happy to pay you to uh, to solve that problem all the time um, so competition and collaboration doesn't have to be mutually exclusive yes. but it just needs to be uh, you know thought in a in a different uh, mindset as I, as I as I say uh, but but that being said you know when you start capturing value, we, we tend to forget why we started doing it in the first place. <laughs> yes, yes. But again, yeah. again, you know, we there is a hope because uh, as we decentralize more and uh, if as we start using these uh, decentralized mm -hmm. platforms that are uh, in work mm -hmm. and everything goes on blockchain, then, you know, that communication, that collaboration and all that will become much easier because we'll be able to see what is going on at on which network node and what is happening all over the world. So things will get much easier as we decentralize more and as we put together, you know, effective systems and structures that are necessary right now. That invisibility is there in what who is working on 
what and which country is focused on what, what problems they're trying to solve. So uh, every country has different skill set, different capabilities, different, you know, uh, infrastructure. So that is where we need to first understand what each country uh, is strong in, where there are their risks are and where they can uh, their skill sets yes. are and what kind of resources they need to focus on uh, to helping the innovators and helping the startup community to come up uh, with you know what is necessary you know in terms of uh, the support system that they need so as if we talk about iceland what industries uh, do you see are emerging that would benefit the entire world it's not just you know uh, applications that uh, you know innovators are working on or you know some new uh, ideas that they are investing but overall where do you see iceland's strength and where do you see the gaps that we need to focus on to uh, overcome sure. those challenges so that they can you know uh, transform yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I mean, what I do is not limited to Iceland. Uh, I mean, Iceland is a very small place, so a startup just for Iceland doesn't make any sense. Uh, so what we try to do is that um, we are location agnostic, uh, but we there are some inherent strengths of being in Iceland. So we try to put that to work with the founders that we work with. Um, Iceland as a country uh, has... Um, fundamentally transformed in the last uh, decade. And um, again, uh, based on uh, the work that I've done with Startup Iceland and the effort we put into bringing the startup community way of thinking has fundamentally transformed the place. Today, we have five privately funded venture companies locally, and uh, they're, uh, the first vintage of companies are all growing up to be unicorns now. And, uh, and the government has just put massive effort into investing in technology and uh, things that will be needed in the future. And I think every country needs to do that. I don't believe that it is something that one country is going to do and others are not going to do. I think everybody should do it. Um, and I mean, there is no limit to what can be done from a place like Iceland. You know, Iceland is endowed with unlimited power. I mean, Iceland is powered by renewable energy. We have plenty of geothermal and we just have an active volcano now. So uh, that volcano uh, is uh, nothing but energy, <laughs> you yes. know, so it is energy coming out of the ground. And um uh, and, and Iceland has learned how to harness that energy to be utilized in other things. Uh, I mean, one of the most exciting things that I am seeing in Iceland is agriculture. I think uh, Icelanders uh, always had imported all their food. Uh, there is a burgeoning industry with agriculture starting to form in Iceland where we are using the latest technologies to actually grow food in the most unhabitable place in, in the world. You know, Iceland is uh, notorious for its weather. It is pretty bad and it's cold and uh, almost mimics space. And uh, if we can grow things here, then we can grow it in space, right? So uh, uh, that has created a lot of very interesting solutions. Uh, one of the companies in Iceland is growing, doing vertical farming where it's growing food in a in a dark room with led lights and hydroponics 
and uh, they are already in the markets and you can buy uh, all the vegetables and fruits grown by them, which is exciting to see. And again, if you do that for a certain group of food, you can do it for all groups of food. And um, I mean, biotechnology is something that is really exciting in Iceland. Uh, there's a company that is, um, has been importing a lot of uh, talented people from India into Iceland to actually build uh, biomanufacturing facilities to make drugs, uh, biosimilar drugs that are accessible for the rest of the world. I mean, uh, taking stabs at uh, all these big pharmaceutical companies that have huge patents on drugs to make biosimilars using technology. Great. Uh, yeah, Great. so so it is a, it is it is a, it is a very vibrant place now for uh, startups and entrepreneurship, and uh, I think uh, the entire country has, uh, as I say, has drank the Kool Aid now, and it feels like uh, you know 2009 is uh, 100 years back. You know, yeah. it, it feels it feels uh, it feels like a totally different. Uh, world that I live in yes, uh, when I go and talk to people about uh, what we're doing uh, I think uh, there is uh, acceptance uh, amazement and the next question is you know how can we help and what can we do to make this happen here in Iceland which yes. is uh, which is always uh, great yes it's always great so what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners especially those brilliant young minds who are innovating yeah I would say, uh, don't wait, start somewhere. And, uh, you know, a, a very uh, popular investor once told me that uh, the best time to plant a tree was 40 years back. And uh, the next best time is always today. Yes. <laughs> it's always today. So uh, never wait to uh, work on things that you care about. And, uh, and then and, and don't make it somebody else's problem. If you make it your problem, then you can actually do something about it and you can actually work on it and you can build things to solve those uh, problems. And hopefully you create plenty of value for all your customers and all your uh, stakeholders and for yourself. And again, again, it's it's not the end, but it's more of a means. And, and once you have plenty of resources, that is money and wealth and all that, then you can go and solve other problems, bigger problems. <laughs> yes, yes, that is very true. So thank you so much, Bala, for participating in this roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on trends in venture investing and all the investments that you have made and the journey uh, that has showed not just uh, in uh, books or, you know, but actually that you lived, you overcame all those challenges. That would be an inspiration to a lot of people and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from that uh, understanding that you provided on the state of Iceland startup, the challenges that we as individuals, we have to overcome and the investment trends. As a result, this Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you very much for having me and uh, good luck to all the people who are watching your program. Thank you so much. So Risk Group is a strategic security risk research platform and community through the Risk Roundup Initiative. Risk Group and I are on a mission to talk with a billion brilliant minds. And the reason behind this effort is to research, review, rate and report strategic security risk facing humanity. Thank you for being part of the conversation. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.